once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet in New York City. And I'm feeling a little mellow right now because I just finished cranking out a lot of food over a lot of hours. But I'm also feeling kind of proud of myself. And that's sort of a nice thing, don't you think? If I sound a little nasally tonight, it's just because I was petting a dog. And I love dogs, but I'm allergic to them unless they're the hypoallergenic ones. I guess those are the ones with hair and not fur. I don't know. All I know is I love them and I pet them. And then later on, I'm like sneezy. Say lovey. It's a small price to pay. You know what I mean? Anyway, so we just got through the Jewish holidays. And now I'm cranking out weddings, of course. And tonight I did a special tasting dinner for four couples who seem to all be madly in love. And I guess that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. L-O-V-E. So you would think as a wedding caterer, all my couples would be in love. All my couples would love each other. Well, I wish that was true, but I've had a lot of couples who just kind of seem like, well, he's the right guy. He's got a good job. He has money, so she'll marry him. Or she's the right girl. You know, she's got a great future. She's gorgeous. She's got gorgeous legs, fabulous hair, whatever. He'll marry her. You know, but not because they're in love. And it's so hard to be in a relationship, especially if you live with someone. Forget about it. Forget about it. But if you're going to get through everything, all the chazerai of being in a relationship, you really need a lot of mileage. You need, you need to be able to get through a lot of mileage. You need gas to propel you through all the chazerai. Now, I'm not a marriage counselor or an expert or a therapist, but... I gotta think that you need to be really in love, you know what I mean? Anyway, luckily tonight, I had four couples, and they all seemed to be really in love. And one couple I got a kick out of, because the groom, who's a really sweet guy, but the poor thing is allergic to everything. I mean, I don't know how he ever goes out to eat. I don't think he can go out to eat. And his fiance is a lovely lady, and she's clearly in love with him and really cares about him being able to eat as much as possible, even though he's allergic to everything. Anyway, I had three other couples to please, so it's not like I could make the whole dinner just things he could eat. But I tried to really work on it. You know, I mean, I'm sort of, it's one of my specialties, accommodating allergies, because I am. Personally, I'm gluten-free, and I have been for more than 20 years. And back when I learned I was allergic to, we didn't even use that word, gluten. I found out I was allergic to wheat. And I just thought, you know, for some reason, we'd go out to dinner. They'd give you the bread basket. Back when restaurants actually gave you a bread basket. And I'd have a a roll, and then I'd blow up like I was nine months pregnant. Hmm. Sorry, I had to have a little sip of tequila for medicinal purposes because I pet the dog, you know what I mean? That sounds like a sort of a thing to say, like a catchphrase. I pet the dog, meaning what? 
something sexual, right? Well, let's not go there. Anyway, so 20 years ago, I mean, basically there was just rice crackers. It wasn't all of those great substitutes we have now. But I, you know, I suffered, I suffered, and now we have all those great substitutes. So because I'm used to being gluten-free, I'm extra kind and sensitive. And because my parents kept kosher, I'm extra kind and sensitive. And because my dad couldn't have salt, I'm extra kind and sensitive. You know, but this poor guy, I mean, he couldn't have soy. And soy is everywhere. So we made, I mean, we served empanadas at the tasting. And I looked at the ingredients on the empanada wrappers. And there was soybean oil. So no, he couldn't have the empanadas. We served meatballs. And I had to double check the ingredients of the um, breadcrumbs we used. Thank God, no soy, because there are some breadcrumbs that do have soy. He could have the meatballs. We served grilled shrimp, and thank God I served it with a roasted sofrito sauce, which I'm going to talk to you about in a minute, because no soy. So we had the shrimp and the roasted sofrito sauce. I'll come back to that sauce. It was killer. But there were a few things, like I was doing a gorgeous vegan mac and cheese fritter. I've talked to you about my beautiful vegan mac and cheese fritters. And I double-checked, and the breadcrumbs were soy-free, and everything was soy-free, and everything was beautiful. But they contained cashews, and he was also allergic to nuts. So he couldn't have those, and everyone else loved them, and his fiance loved them. And so what did I do? I brought him more meatballs because he could have the meatballs. And then we brought out regular mac and cheese fritters that he could have because they were soy-free and nut-free. And so every time I brought something out he couldn't have, I'd bring him either meatballs or mac and cheese fritters. So I fed him very well. And I brought out my world-famous pastrami tacos, and I had to verify that no soybean oil was used in the frying of the taco shells. I know there wasn't, thank God. So we could have those. And then I brought out my beautiful Louisiana crab cakes with lemon tartare. But because we made those uh, a few months ago and we kept them in deep freeze, which is the best way to keep them, I wasn't 100% sure that the breadcrumbs didn't have soybean oil. I was 99% sure, but not 100%. So no, no crab cakes for him. But he didn't care because he didn't like crab anyway. And his fiance made sure to eat everything he couldn't eat. The most heartbreaking moment was when I brought out my beautiful dessert tacos, which were soy-free graham cracker shell tacos with apple and pear pie filling and whipped cream. And everyone loved them, and I was so happy to announce they were completely soy-free. But guess what? He was allergic to pears and apples, basically all fruit for the most part. The only fruit he could have is berries. So I vowed to make him a berry pie dessert taco next time I saw him. So it was challenging. But you know what? I managed to feed him very well and everything he could need his bride to be ate. And everyone had a great time. And I think that he left quite full. Actually, I think he ate more than anyone else because I was overcompensating for the things I couldn't feed him. And I just thought... When I was watching the whole thing unfold, I thought, first of all, thank God I'm not allergic to soy. It's hard enough to be allergic to gluten. But 
wow, and my bride this weekend is allergic to gluten and rice and corn. I think I told you about her. So for her, we're doing a cassava mac and cheese fritter rolled in gluten-free matzo meal. That was really a challenge, let me tell you. But you know what? In the end, it's always love that prevails. So yeah, he's got a lot of allergies and his life is a little more difficult than other people because of it. But he's got a woman who's crazy about him. Got to sip a little more tequila. Hang on. Mm. You may be noticing I haven't been sipping tequila for quite some time. But also, I haven't been petting a dog for quite some time. So that could explain it. Anyway, I just, you know, as much as it was a challenge to make this guy happy, and it, he was really wonderful, and I really did make him happy. The big thing for me was how much love was in the room. People were really crazy about each other, really warmed my heart and soul. And they were all having weddings all different times of the year. Uh, He was a summer wedding. I had a November wedding. I had a September wedding. I had another November wedding. So it was fall, summer, you know, early fall. You know, like we're sort of all over the place. And we started talking stories, and I was telling them stories of catering and my life, and it was one big giant love fest. And I didn't hug them all goodbye because it's COVID, but I gave them the elbow, you know, the COVID hug, and I'm really looking forward to hugging again, let me tell you. And off they went dancing into the night, and I walked home feeling very proud of myself, but also feeling like I was carrying a little bit of that love. And so that's the thing. I think that love is contagious. If you're around someone who is full of love, if you're around a couple that really loves each other and therefore loves everyone around them, it kind of gets into you, you know? And you can carry it with you. And I hatred and negativity and anger is the same thing. I have people in my life who are harboring hostility harboring hatred, harboring anger, and and it kind of festers in them. And just talking to them for a minute or being around them, or to be perfectly honest, even thinking about them, it kind of makes me feel a little bit dark and mournful in my solar plexus. It's a little bit of a cancerous feeling. And I once heard that cancer comes from anger and hatred and depression and things like that. And I do believe it. I do believe it to be true. So love is contagious and so is hate. So if you're going to be spreading something around, you know, let's make it love. Because Lord knows the world needs more of that. There's an awful lot of hate right now. I see it everywhere I go. People walking down the street with scowls on their face. People angrily rushing you know, having to get somewhere, hating you for being in their way. People in a car just beeping because the car in front of them didn't press on the gas the second the light turned green. A friend of mine used to say the definition of a split second was how long it took for the car behind you to beep when the light turned green if you didn't immediately hit your pet, your foot on the pedal of gas in a city, certainly in New York City. That's the definition of a split second, and it's very true. So how about kind of changing that tide? How about just, you know, giving people a break? 
and spreading some of that love around. You can also put love in food. I mean, you know how I feel. Food is love. What I always say and what I do feel. Well, let me tell you a little bit about my roasted sofrito, by the way. So one of my couples wanted a Caribbean influence, and another one of my couples uh, was part Puerto Rican and part Cuban. And so I wanted to do some fun things to honor that. And so I made my roasted sofrito sauce as a dip for the shrimp because my adorable groom who's allergic to soy couldn't have my favorite shrimp creole dip that I do because one of the secret ingredients, don't tell, don't tell, is a little bit of tamari. So, which is soy, of course. Anyway, the way I make my beautiful roasted sofrito, of which I'm so proud, is I get a big frying pan. I got a rondo because I wanted to make a lot of it. And I chop up red bell pepper and yellow bell pepper and jalapeno, everything without the seeds, of course. Chop it up, just kind of rough chop it. And I rough chop, peel and rough chop red onion and peel and rough chop white onion and sort of equal amounts of each. And then I throw in a little bit of peeled garlic. So I've got my red bell pepper, my yellow bell pepper, my jalapeno, my red onion, my white onion, and my garlic. Get my big giant pan, super hot, because I want to have a lot of room for everything so it won't crowd itself and start to steam. I put a little olive oil or mixed canola olive oil, whatever you want to have. I went for a little olive oil blend. And then when it's nice and hot, I throw in my vegetables and really kind of burn it. I'm not sautéing. I'm not gently sautéing, darling, because we're so sophisticated. Not. No, honey. I'm burning this stuff more than browning it. A few times while I was cooking it, one of my chefs said, Hey, Rossi, you're burning it. I'm like, I want to for crying out loud. Anyway, so I just cooked it and kept stirring it so I didn't want it to go black, like burnt like that, but I wanted it to be really, really charred and kind of on the soft side, soft and charred. And when I got a ton of color and really charred and everything was softening up, I turned the flame off and just sort of let it stay in the hot pan and continue to cook. And then what I did was I had a can of chipotle peppers. I use chipotle peppers a lot. Not right out of the can in your mouth because that is way too spicy for me. But in my esposa or my esposo, esposa is the big food processor. Esposo is the small one, either or. In this case, I did it in my esposa. That didn't sound right, but you know what I mean. I threw in a couple of chipotle peppers, puree, puree. Then I threw in my charred bell peppers and jalapeno and onion and garlic and everything that just came out of the pan. Puree, puree. And I threw in a heaping handful of washed and slightly chopped cilantro. And I threw in a good handful of slightly chopped fresh oregano. Fresh oregano, not dry oregano. Puree, puree. A good pinch of cumin and my trick for the cumin, ground cumin. And really almost every spice, this is a great trick. You toast it in a dry pan. It really brings out the flavor. Plus, quite honestly, a lot of spices, I think they're on the dirty side. I don't know how clean they are. So it's not a bad idea to give them a little toast. So I toasted up my ground cumin and I threw that in. 
I toasted up some ground coriander. I threw that in. I gave it a little salt and pepper. And I gave it a little celery salt and a little bit of chili powder. And puree, puree. Then I drizzled in some fresh lime juice, fresh squeezed. And some fresh squeezed, not like, you know, out of the court, like really fresh squeezed orange juice. Puree, puree. And then I had some garlic oil that I made because I took peeled garlic, put it in a pot, covered it with olive oil, and simmered it for about a half hour. I got this beautiful oil and beautiful garlic. So I threw in some of that beautiful garlic oil. I adjusted the seasoning, and I didn't puree it too much because I wanted to really see little bits of the bell pepper and all that color. So then you had this beautiful, beautiful sauce. You see the yellow, you see the red, you see the green, you see the red, sort of orangey red of the chipotle. You see the green of the the jalapeno, of the cilantro, of the oregano, just gorgeous roasted sofrito dip. And that was my shrimp dip, but quite honestly, it'd be great on everything, on steak, on chicken, on fish. Now I made an extra batch of it, so I had it for my tasting tonight, but tomorrow, we're going to be doing my world-famous Jewish pernil. Pernil is a slow-roasted Puerto Rican pork shoulder. There's nothing Jewish about it. The only thing that makes it Jewish is that I'm a Jew and I made it, or I'm, I will, will make it. Well, actually, I'm going to have my chef Tom do the first couple of hours of it because he gets in early, and I like to sashay in at 11 a.m., as you know. I'm not an early bird. But we're going to slow roast our Cuban Puerto Rican pork. So it's pernil, but we're giving it a little Cuban edge. Cook it forever. And I'm doing two things with the pork this weekend. So half the pork, we're going to pull all the pork after we cook it forever till it falls apart. And we have it marinated now in fresh orange juice and garlic and oregano and cumin and paprika. And salt. This is one time you do want salt in the meat. Because the salt really does something gorgeous to the pork. And we're going to cover it, put it in the oven about 300. We're probably going to cook it about six hours till it falls apart. And then we're going to pull it. We're going to have our beautiful pulled pork, half of it for Friday, half of it for Saturday. And I'm going to mix the pork with my beautiful roasted sofrito that I made plenty of extra of, and a chipotle sauce where I pureed chipotle peppers with orange juice and garlic and a little bit of olive oil. And that is going to have two things, that beautiful chipotle, Cuban, Puerto Rican, everything lovely, pernil, pulled pork. Not that I'm an expert, like I said, I was raised kosher, but Friday night, I'm going to be serving it as carnitas, Mexican pulled pork in a little baby taco shell with a tomatillo salsa on top. And Saturday, we're going to be serving it as Cuban pulled pork on a plantain chip. Always gluten-free, never kosher. And there you have it. I'm going to be the pork queen this weekend. Nice Jewish girl. It's a funny thing because I love cooking pork. I love cooking bacon and pork. It's one of my favorite things to cook. But I've never put a piece of pork in my mouth in my life. Isn't that funny? Because I was raised kosher, and even though I'm certainly not kosher, 
I guess because my mom passed away, you know, if she was alive, I probably could do it. But since she died, I sort of feel like if I eat pork, you know, she'll break through the ceiling and scream and yell. And, you know, I don't really want to risk that. You know what I mean? If you ever met my mother, you would know you wouldn't want to make her mad. My mother was a very emotional lady. Now, I've been spending time recently with some people who knew her, some people I went to high school with because I went to my high school reunion, as you know, a couple of weeks ago. And it was kind of fun to be around people who knew my mother and knew just how crazy she was. You know, it's funny. You know how when you're growing up, you think everyone's parents are like your parents? Well, I just assumed that everyone's mother sat in the kitchen and talked to dead relatives. Because when I came home from school, my mother was always talking to her parents who had died before I was born. And when I was eight years old, my Aunt Rosalind, my mother's older sister, died. And yet my mother kept talking to her. I'd come home from school, my mother would be talking to Aunt Rosalind. And usually Aunt Rosalind was lecturing me. I'd come home from school and my mother would say, your Aunt Rosalind says your shorts are too short and we can see your tushy and it's not nice. I'm like, for crying out loud, Aunt Rosalind never bothered me when she was alive. But after she died, she gave me a really hard time through the voice of my mother. But you know what? I found out none of my friend's parents talked to dead relatives in the kitchen. Turns out... My mother was rather unusual. You could say uh, demented, I suppose. The thing is, I'm not entirely sure that she was not talking to dead relatives. That's the thing. I don't know that she was crazy because she might have actually been talking to them. You know, my mother was quite a psychic, and I didn't really believe that for a long time, but then some things started to happen. Like I was in Piping Rock Park in Rumson, and I wasn't allowed, I really wanted a pocket knife. I, I love those Swiss Army knives. I sort of liked everything boys liked. And I wasn't allowed to have one, so I snuck with the money I made on my newspaper route, and I bought a pocket knife. And I had watched some movie about pirates, and the pirates were whittling with their knife, and I thought it seemed really cool. So I was out in the park whittling, whittling the stick with my knife, and I wanted to make a little statue. I don't know what I thought it was going to be. But the knife slipped and really stabbed me in the thumb. So it was really deep and bleeding. I didn't know what to do. So I didn't want my mother to see it or I'd be in trouble because she'd find out I had a knife. So I kind of just made a fist so no one could see the bloody thumb. And I was walking towards the house. I figured I'd get up to the bathroom and wrap it up and get a Band-Aid on it. And she'd never know. And as I'm walking towards the house, she's waving her hand from side to side. And as I get closer, what's in her hand but a Band-Aid? And she's like, for crying out loud, I told you I didn't want you to have a knife. Ah, you know. How does she know I was hundreds of feet away in the park? From that point on, I didn't doubt the whole psychic thing. I just figured, all right. It's, it's, you know what, though? I have to say, it's really lousy to have a psychic mother. I mean, maybe it's not so bad if you're a really good, well-behaved kid. But 
But if you're interested in drinking Hiram Walker Blackberry Brandy on the top of a slide in Piper Rock Park and selling loose joints to the kids in high school, especially the nerdy ones who no one else will sell to because you're trying to champion the underdog, then it's not good to have a mother who's psychic because, you know, it's best if they don't know. So certainly I did not get away with nearly as much as I would have liked to have gotten away with. But I digress. My point is, well, what was my point? My point is that my mother talked to dead relatives. And for the longest time, I thought every other kid's mother did that. It was very shocking. I didn't start discovering how unusual my mother was. I think I, think I was like maybe seven when I really started surveying the situation and finding out. Also, it turned out that my other friends' mothers and fathers didn't store enough food to, to survive a nuclear war. I mean, we had enough food at all times in a second freezer and a second pantry and a second refrigerator that if we didn't leave the house for a year, we could live off what was on those extra freezers and pantries and refrigerators. I mean, I don't know. I mean, granted, my parents both lost family in the Holocaust. Luckily, not their immediate family, but they lost aunts and uncles and cousins and distant relatives. My mother was Hungarian, my father Lithuanian, and, you know, Hitler, you know, did a terrible thing. I don't have to go into how terrible. But I always thought they were just prepared that if another Hitler came, they wouldn't have to leave the house, you know? I mean, what else could it be? I don't know. Thank God another Hitler did not come, much as I was kind of frightened for a while a few years ago that we might have had another Hitler in power. But there is fascism spreading all over the country, so I am not going to start to keep enough food to survive a nuclear holocaust because I just don't want to go there. But I think if my mother was around right now, I might be spending time with her just to make sure I had enough to eat if things went south, you know? But I digress. Anyway, my point is, love is contagious and hate is contagious. So if you are someone who is harboring hostility and anger and hatred and grudges and negativity and jealousy, just stop it. Just cut it out. Just throw it out. Just start all over again. Because not only are you hurting yourself, but you're hurting everyone you talk to, everyone who gets near you. That is contagious. I mean, I'm not perfect. I have people, as you know, I've told you, I have people I'm still mad at from high school. A couple of bullies that gave me a hard time. I did get some revenge on both of them. Thank you very much. But, you know, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, right? Don't rush me. But I'm not walking around, throwing around the grudges and the negativity and the hostility and that crap, because it's contagious. I'm trying to spread the love as best I can. So please do the same. Just think about it. Go to sleep tonight, and instead of dwelling on what's wrong with your life, dwell on what's right with your life. What do you have to feel grateful for? Like, I'm grateful for the beautiful food that I made tonight. 
And I'm grateful that I'm not allergic to soy. I am allergic to gluten. That's kind of a bummer. But at least I can have tamari, gluten-free tamari. I'm grateful that I have love in my life. I'm grateful that I had a family, that I had a mother and a father, that I had a safe home, that I have a safe home now, that I have good friends, that I have people I care about, a warm bed, and a really cute stuffed teddy bear that a good friend of mine gave me that I I just kind of love too. Anyway, I got things I'm grateful for. And tomorrow I pledge to spread some love around. So do the same. Life is short. Let's spread the love around. And try that roasted sofrito. It's crazy good. This is Rossi for raging and eating. And as always, food is love and so are you. Now go spread some love around for crying out loud. You know, live a little and love a lot.